Welcome to Behind the Scene at NTSB. My name is Eric Strickland, and thank you very much for joining us. Uh, as a reminder, you can always find us on the Facebook at NTSB Gov, on Instagram, NTSB Gov, on Twitter at NTSB, on LinkedIn at NTSB Gov, <laughs> and uh, on the traditional websites if you're still doing that, www.ntsb.gov. So, um, you know, I'm... Uh, Always happy to do the podcast, and today uh, is going to be an interesting one. I'm going to do the introduction, but then I'm going to turn it over to two very capable and highly qualified and entertaining colleagues who are now going to interview me. So I get to start on one side of the microphone and then hand it over to the other side. Um, and then you get to hear a little bit more about uh, Eric Strickland, and I don't know what I'm going to tell you yet because I haven't thought about it yet. So we'll see where it goes from there. We have lots of good questions for you. See, it's it's good questions, and and we'll take that. Um, you know, the the podcast has been something that uh, we're on the year mark. Uh, Stephanie, uh, well, I'm in the room with Stephanie and Leah. Um, if you didn't know that already, but you know, we hit a year mark on it, and so uh, it's been fun. It's been fun to talk to different people at the agency, and it's fun to to get to know about what makes the agency tick. Um, but it also has been interesting to see the uh, the career paths that everyone has gone on within the agency um, and how how the agency is made up of all these different people with all these interesting backgrounds and they take those to different spots at the agency and they do the different things. Um, you know, this podcast has been something that that uh, I convinced and, and Nick is in the room that I convinced Nick to let me do and or he convinced me. I'm not quite sure which direction it went on that, <laughs> but um you know, to do and, and I really enjoy it. And I think it's a good way to, to share things with people. And, um, and it's not just for me though. It's, it's something that I think is, is good for the agency to do and, and to, to put out there and to have, have this, this platform to be able to share things, whether it's, it's the staff, um, or it's, uh, kind of information, more in-depth information about the investigations that our staff has done, uh, the most wanted list, our advocacy issues. So, uh, so, this this episode is going to be the interview of Eric Strickland, but also a way to transition to other interviewers. Uh, we, as our dedicated and loyal listeners know, there was a bit of a hiatus for a while, and it's mainly just uh, there's a lot of great people to interview, and it's just hard to get it all the all the scheduling together. And so, um, you know, I'm going to be uh, transitioning the podcast to other people. It's, I'm, I'm actually not doing it. It just is transitioning on its own. I have no control over anything. <laughs> Um, but you know, we're going to have, uh, Stephanie and Leah and others to be doing the interviews and, and, you know, I know that the listeners aren't here for my dulcet tones and my snappy wit. I mean, they might be, well, they can send any comments and questions they have to <laughs> us on Twitter or on Facebook or on Instagram to let us know, uh, how they feel about that. But, um, you know, Stephanie and Leah are going to be doing interviews as well. And so, uh, if you're here from my, uh, you know, my uh, safety repertoire, stick around. There's other people that you can listen to. And uh, I want to make sure that you you click, click subscribe on your favorite podcast platform and share it with all of your friends. We'll try to tap into our inner Eric Strickland as <laughs> we're uh, interviewing. <laughs> it's, a, it's a goofy inner Eric Strickland. So I think anyone can get that one. Well, happy one-year anniversary behind the scene at NTSB, and thank you, Eric, for starting it off and getting the ball rolling for the podcast. It is a really exciting platform that we have added to our social media selection. There's so much social media that can be done that I think this is a fun one because anybody can do it. I mean, anyone can download it. You need you don't need to, to register for anything. You can download and. And over the year, there's lots of different things that people can listen to. Right. And if you're tuning in for the first time, there are many episodes that are still in our backlog that you can go back and listen to and learn more about the agency. Um, and we hope you, like Eric said, subscribe and continue to listen to our future podcasts. Yes. Or let us know what you want to hear about. Which Absolutely. they have. We have to thank the listeners who have given us some feedback. And so we have our first podcast that will air after our uh, our talk with Eric will we'll feature um a discussion about one of our recent um, accident investigations. Nice. So we know we have some comments and some people have been asking for that. So excited to be able to bring that as we move forward. That's a nice sneak peek that you just gave there, Stephanie. <laughs> so Eric, 
Yes. We're very excited to have the opportunity to interview you for right. the first time. Um, and I'm sure I our listeners... I didn't get an email asking me if I do no. this. This was just a calendar invite that just showed up. <laughs> and that there actually, was... <laughs> in the calendar invite, it did have a little uh-huh. joke that said, hey, Eric, come and talk with us. The tables are turning. So we did kind of warn you yeah. that you really would be switching sides when you came in to, uh, to talk to us. If you look us. at the pictures, if James doesn't change it, I am, I'm, I'm sort of still on the same side, but I'm not. I'm farther down the table. James is, has moved my microphone on me and, <laughs> and he took his microphone away. So this is going to be another silent James episode. I see that that trend is going to continue. But as we're here, we should thank James for being our technical producer on the show. He is, uh, <laughs> I mean, this wouldn't this this might not happen if it weren't for James. So thank you, James, for being here and doing a great job and making us sound awesome. So Eric, yes, why don't you tell us a little bit about your background and where oh you gosh. came from prior to NTSB and when you joined NTSB? Because you have made some comments that you're a newer employee, but you never actually declared when you joined well, the board. Well, let's just get this out of the way. It was Halloween. I came to the board on Halloween uh, two years ago. And so it's always fun to start a new job when they bring you candy. It's always a little disconcerting when you start a new job and everyone's dressed up in costume. You're not quite sure. You know, I'm still in a suit and tie, but everyone else is in pirate outfit or someone was a pumpkin. Uh, so you're not quite sure how things go, but everyone gives you candy. So I started, uh, I started the agency two years ago um, and working in the safety um, recommendations and communications department and safety advocacy division. So with, with, everybody in the room <laughs> for the most part. Um, and so I came in to, uh, to do a little bit of that, but also do government affairs. And so the long history of Eric is I fell into transportation. It was not, I mean, we've kind of mentioned it. No one really starts out trying to be a, a transportation specialist or exactly. they're going to get into transportation. Some do. Some, yes, you Some do. And I'm very do. happy that you're there. And there are programs out there for those of you interested in that, mm-hmm. look around for it. They're out there. Um, but it was it was something I did some stuff in high school on youth safety and got brought to the attention of uh, Mothers Against Drunk Driving and uh, and I spent a you know did some college projects for them. They asked if I wanted to come interview for a job, so so I was from Montana and got an ask to come work for you know be an intern for them in Dallas, and that was awesome. And I had a really great experience. Met some of the people there and. They were starting a DC policy shop, and uh, I got to come for an interview, and and uh, lo and behold, got the gig, and I'm like, oh, I'm just going to do a couple years in, in DC. I'm going to get some experience, and I'm going to move back. I'm a Montana, and I don't leave. I'm going to go back and do that. Now, I'm 20-ish years into that two-year stint, and so, you know, it... Um, you can never predict what's going to happen, but it was it was always going to just be kind of a, a short time thing, get some experience. But I got to do some really interesting things on impaired driving, and um, I, I did a couple of years at you know for for them, and then I did a. Um, and a, we should say that your path and Leah's transportation yes. path kind of intersected a bit at Mad. You both were there but at the same time. Yes, yes, we were there at the same time. As Leah continues to remind me, I don't remember. Being there at the same time as her, but on paper, I know that we were, and she remembers meeting me. And, I remember. Uh-huh. I remember you, but you don't remember me. It's a long mm-hmm. time ago. Mm-hmm. I met a lot of people. Everyone was so nice. I just, I'm bad with names. And- so glad I'm so significant. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, see, things come around. I remember it later-ish. Um, but so, you know, I, I did that, and then I continued doing uh, impaired driving and responsibility issues um, for a, a national nonprofit um, the Century Council, uh, who is uh, rebranded, uh, I, but I always worked for them as the Century Council, so that's what I'll always call it. Uh, and then um, took my my experiences there and did some federal affairs work for uh, for the states for state highway safety. And it's it's just one of those things where, you know, I never I don't know, you never knew what you wanted to be when you grow up, and I still don't. And I'm technically considered a grown up, <laughs> but um, you know, it's hard to just different opportunities and different experiences and you take everything that you learn and you take it to the next one and you add your skills there and enhance what's going on there you grow and sometimes you then move move away to grow even more and so um you know i went to uh, governor's highway safety association who um, have a lot of broad highway safety topics and got to get uh, a really extensive knowledge of of highway safety and the different behavioral highway safety programs that were there um and then in that process, you know, I, I 
my whole career, I'd been working with folks from the NTSB back in the day with Kevin Quinlan, one of the first, one of the first non-MAD people I spent some time with when I moved to DC, um, you know, and, and got to have some good experiences with him and with uh, other folks at the agency. And it wasn't until I came to interview for the job that I actually walked through the sixth floor and through the Starship doors. Um, but, uh, you know, got to work with all of people and knew it was a great agency. So when an opportunity came around and, and, uh, I, you know, it just seemed right. It seemed like the, the right thing to do. Change is hard for me. I don't like change. And I'm saying all that, it, there's been a lot of change that has happened. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's a, it's a bit of a struggle, but I think it's a good struggle. Um, and so, you know, I came to the agency and, uh, as anyone, we've kind of talked about patience is, is important when applying for federal jobs and, uh, it was good patience and it was fun to talk with Nick throughout all of that. He just kept telling me, stick with, <laughs> stick with it. <laughs> um, and thank you, James. And, uh, it was, you know, it was fun. And uh, I'm curious, um, sorry to just kind of pivot, but I'm curious to see both um, your and Stephanie's uh, experience. I also kind of fell into transportation safety, and I also started working for Mothers Against Drunk Driving um, right out of college. And um, it was, for my experience, I really fell in love with the mission and, you know, the the concept of, you know, really working hard to save lives and making a really, you know, big impact in that. And it's hard to pull yourself away from the, that mission and that, you know, you get that dedication in you. And I'm just curious from both of your perspectives, if you had any similar experience. I mean, the mission helped. I mean, knowing that you were doing, doing something that was going to make a difference. Cause I mean, when you choose to work for a nonprofit of any size, you're not choosing to make money, make your trust fund there and, and all of that. Yeah. So you need a, you need a little <laughs> bit of something there to help help make it so you can wake up every day. I was cleaning out the basement and found some of my old pay stubs. I'm like, oh my gosh, I can't believe that. No, it makes sense why I was paying for everything with a credit card. See, I joined the government as a GS2, and so I, I don't even know how that how that worked at that time. Yeah, but so I think with anything you do, with nonprofit, wherever you go, you have to believe in what you're doing. Right. Um, but yeah, when I look at back at my transportation history, it's always been there's always been something bigger than me that I've been working for and working with. Um, and so that's always, that always helps. I mean, uh, good people working with good people doing good things, but you know, knowing that you're going to be, your footprints are going to be there when you're, when you're not there, like hopefully leaving that there for, for the future generations. I mean, future people. Yeah, I think um, so. I grew up, my dad was a Maryland state police officer. So I kind of knew like traffic safety stuff. But I don't think until I came here um, as an intern, I had an opportunity to work in the summer and just kind of have stayed on. So 20 years later, I'm still here. (laughs) Mm -hmm. But working through different offices and just seeing the work here, it gives you a new appreciation. And like you said, it's really the mission of knowing that what you're working on and what the people are working on here is really impacting people's lives Mm -hmm. in a very real and everyday way. It's just an yeah. um, amazing thing to be a part of. And I'm sure working at MAD, you know, where you're dealing with victims who have been impacted by a lot of things that we're looking at and trying to prevent, you know, as an agency mm-hmm. is, yeah, it's just walking away from transportation is, uh, <laughs> you know, nice. yeah, is, is just, it's, it's kind of, you know, like a hard thing to do. I don't, yeah. guys, we don't walk away anymore. We scooter away. Yeah. You can really scooter away by yeah. any mode at this point. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah no, I mean. You, you never, you never grow up thinking, oh man, I'm going to, I'm going to spend my life talking about transportation. Like, what is that? What does that mean? But it is imp- there a degree in transportation discussion topics? The, probably Talking is. about, just talking Nick about Nick is it? in the room and nodding his head, <laughs> but uh, maybe I'm going to well, have to look for that degree. I need to go back and get it. <laughs> <laughs> Can we use prior credit? Oh, I don't I want to pay so. for any more school. Can I get I'm an done. honorary degree yeah. in that? <laughs> So, Eric, we were looking at, we, we f- figured that we have taped, or you have taped, 16 episodes with, with yes. people here at the NTSB. Do you have a favorite a favorite interview that you've done? Or we always joke that Eric is our Ericopedia with all of his knowledge and different things that we can come to him for. So, you know, do you have a, a fun fact or anything that you've, that you, that sticks out from your interviews? Um, that 16 episodes is 
a lot, but not a lot in the scheme of trying to share all of the stories from the great people here. And that, you know, you could do one episode that lasts for 16 hours. Uh, you know, they've all been, I've all, I've enjoyed all of them. Um, I like to talk to the, you know, talk to the people here that, that really make it work. And I mean, you know, this concept had kind of been going before, you know, we had the, the mission here at the agency, the, the, kind of the chairman came on board and was trying to highlight more of the staff. So things were already going, but it was really just timely as a, an opportunity to get to know the staff because we have so many people here, but everyone, like we were talking about, you know, they're very focused on their transportation work that they're doing or whatever, right. whatever activity they're doing, they don't really stop to talk about themselves or share it. And, and it's not just the work isn't getting done just because someone's here. The work is getting done because someone cares about the work that they're doing. And so the agency, you know, all the products that the agency puts out are because of, of the hours and hours of work that get done by individuals, uh, whether it's researching something, it's reviewing, you know, factual information, it's going to the scene to, to collect all that, but, you know, or it's making sure that we have the budget that we need to be able to operate, um, you know, all of those kind of fun things. So, and continuing my transportation journey, part of the transition is, you know, I'm transitioning to work for uh, one of the board members, for board member Hamidi as a senior advisor mm -hmm. and getting to see all the the work that's done from that level as well. You know, I saw a lot of it within my role at SRC, but seeing all the different pieces of it and then realizing that, A, I'm, I'm not very good at budgeting. I'm sorry, Shalanda. Um, <laughs> I had to talk to you a lot. Uh, there's a lot of spreadsheets involved and uh, math is not one of my special things. And I'm having gonna. I've been told that there's gonna be. I have a, a kindergartner now, and I'm gonna have to learn what is the new one, Singapore math. I'm gonna have to be. <clears> apparently, <throat> they do know. parent tutorials on that <laughs> so that we can help out. So I can't do my. I can consider normal math. So this advanced math is gonna be. Uh, we're so good luck. Yeah, I was like, if if you're listening, daughter, I'll we'll be doing this together. Um, but so you know. All of the interviews are awesome, and and everything that everyone does here is 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 kind of one organism. You know, we all try to make transportation safer, but it takes everything. It, it's not just one mode working on it. It's not just you know the the CFO's office. It's not just something from media relations. You know, and all of that work then goes into the safety advocacy work. You know, that's the you know the less reactive part of the agency, but. Mm -hmm. So, uh, you know, you, you can't get me, you're not going to get me to say which one's my favorite. <laughs> How like about, is there anything, because you, you have, we, well, we just talked about the fact that you've been here for next week, two, mm -hmm. two years. Is there anything that. candy every time, every anniversary. <laughs> we'll nice. make sure nice. to bring you some next week. <laughs> the, um, so is there anything that surprised you? Um, cause you, we've, we've worked together before mm -hmm. on some issues before you joined the, the NTSB, but is there something that surprised you about when you came in that you just really didn't realize was, um, something the agency did or, or kind of how it worked? I, I did not realize how detailed the agency was. Like, I get it. Like, and I've read reports and, you know, and, and all that, but the amount of, of detail that goes into it from the starting point to causal factors for, for, you know, a crash or, and the training methods, like that detail carries over to everybody. Um, and, and no matter what mode you're in or what, what role that you play at the agency, I did not realize how, how intense that was. Uh, and then also just the numbers of people that are involved in it. It's, you know, it's, it's a, it's a huge team. And I know during the public board meetings, they flash the slide that shows it all, but I wish they'd stay on that a little bit longer and spend more time talking about the, the staff that did all of that work. Um, cause like, you know, like James goes to all of the major accidents. His name is normally not listed there, but he's there helping make sure that we can share information with the general public and right. that it gets out there as part of the the digital team and the media relations team. I mean, it's a, it's, there's, a, there's more than on that slide. And, um, and I hope our different platforms like the podcast and, and our different social media, which are good ways to, to get that out there and the blogs from the safety compass blog posts, you know, these are all, all ways to share the staff because, you know, it's, it's people helping people. 
I think that's a tagline somewhere. So I'm sorry, I'm not going to try to take that from anyone. But I think that's what it is. Like, a song or something, I think. Yeah. <laughs> Just speaking of the podcast, what inspired you to, to kind of get this rolling? What, what well, was the motivation behind that? So the real version? Well, or the <laughs> one that makes me sound better. No. Um, uh, so I was in grad school and um, there's, it was an accelerator program. So rather than do a full uh, thesis and all of that, we do what was called a capstone at, at Georgetown. And so mm. um, it was emergency and disaster management. And I was looking at a lot of different things. And actually I spent most of my, it's a, it was a two and a half year program kind of crammed into one year. It was intense. But like I told my family, you can do almost anything for one year. So let's, it's going to be, it can be rough, but we'll do it. So for most of that time, I was looking at a whole different project. I was looking at wildfire resources shared internationally and how the longer wildfire season. I mean, it's, it was a very technical and right. it was, it's still awesome. And I'd still love to probably spend some time on that, <laughs> but I realized I am not going to be able to, to pull this together in a way that I would like to, or get all the information I want. And so then I thought about some other things that a interested me, but B would be useful. And, um, one of them was looking at how communities get information. So we all, know that our phones send us text alerts to say, you know, there's an AMB alert or weather alerts. We get all those things now through our phones. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, local emergency uh, emergency managers, local communities will, if you're, say, in a hurricane zone and a hurricane's coming through, you'll put out notices, hey, you need to leave, you need to evacuate. It's They're short. They're not, not a lot of information. Uh, if you don't watch the whole news cycle, you don't get maybe all of the all the history that goes into that, all the information, like you don't get your facts that help lead to the decision why you need to evacuate. So let's just say I listen to this thing. It says I need to evacuate. I leave. Nothing happens to my house. Like there was no reason for me to leave. It's, it's a huge pain to have to go. I'm worried. I'm worried that I'm going to lose my house. I'm worried that something's going to happen to my family or my neighbors. So, you know, so-and-so didn't leave. I'm concerned about them, but I leave. And then I come back, nothing happens. I'm thinking, the weatherman was wrong or, or the government had no idea what they were talking about and I shouldn't leave. So how do we try to counteract that? Because then when three or four years later, another hurricane's coming, you tell me leave. Uh, this one says it's going to be smaller. And last time I didn't need to leave, so I'm not going to. So then I get hit and, and flooding happens. I mean, these things change. You take the best information. But we all, you know, I know that because of my, my history and I know looking at that and I know that it's not just a random decision to tell someone to evacuate your home. But Joe and Jane public don't understand that. So how do we get that information to them? Through a podcast. I think because that's a medium that everyone has access to. It's not a high cost for communities. Um, it's a way to create a longstanding relationship with individuals in the community. So from the from the role of my 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 program it was looking at from the role of an emergency manager so i'm an emergency management um division and i have five staffers and i have you know x hundred dollars what can i do well i can for a couple hundred bucks i can buy the equipment i need i'll have this person there on response operations and you know they'll be the lead on it or whatever i have someone on and they take it on and they bring in other people from from the government to talk about things and just explain what we do and, and how we do it so that there's a rapport between the emergency manager's office and the community. So that when, you know, emergency manager Eric Strickland comes on the, on the radio and says, hi, you know, as we've been talking about this hurricane's coming, you need to go. Hopefully people have maybe downloaded an episode or two and, and will have an idea who I am and, why I'm there and that I'm not, you know, sure. And why I'm you made the, the decision and why and... I made the decision. And mm -hmm. I might even spell that out in an episode that someone could listen to and they don't have to be long, you know, for behind the scene at NTSB, we aim for around 45 minutes. Mm -hmm. uh, and you know, that's the, that's, you, know, you try to aim for something that you, someone can have in a commute, you know, right. 45 minute commute is, is for some people short <laughs> for some <laughs> people a little bit longer, but you try to aim for something that can happen during those that commute that they can listen to. But you could also do shorter. You could do 10, 15 minutes. Like, hey, I just put out this, this notice that we need to do an evacuation. This is why. The models that we're looking at say this or that and the other thing. We really want you to go because also there's going to be crazy floods that are going to happen. Um, it could be a little north, a little south, but we're within that zone. Like, you could give more of the background to hopefully then you've had that rapport built with the community that they will listen to you and be willing to 
to heed your advice and go. Same for transportation safety, same for the work that we do. I think it's nice to have a rapport with stakeholders because safety can't happen in a vacuum. It's mm-hmm. there's everyone's involved um, within, you know, highway safety, rail safety, whatever. It's we all need to work together and to make it make it successful. And so uh, this was a way to share why people here at the agency feel that how we can do that and why it's going to be successful and to give a little more history about the people behind the decisions that are not the decisions, but behind the reports that are being made, Mm -hmm. that it's not just slapped together in just a couple of weeks. It's 12 to 24 ish months for Mm -hmm. these reports. And there's a lot of work that goes into it and, and a lot of work that we do to make sure that it's sort of understandable to the general public. I mean, even working here, I don't understand some of the stuff that is being said and, mm-hmm. and some of the materials that are put out there. But we put it out there because someone will understand what a friction analysis on on the road is and all of that. And so we want them to know this is what we're looking at. And and I, you know, we have so many experts here in in house that are going to be looking at this. And it's not just we didn't just say you need to wear your seatbelt because we think it's going to make you, you know, make it safer for you and you're going to survive. Mm-hmm. Right. We've looked at all this kind of stuff. We have all of these past past accidents that we're referencing. We have all the science that we're looking at. So, you know, having those people talk about the work that they do, I hope, provides to the listeners and, and the general public and our stakeholders what we do and, and that people are dedicated and they're not just going to – they don't cut corners. They don't do anything like that. Like, they're dedicated folks that are going to work on this. And so – the long answer to where the podcast came about <laughs> is that was my that was my capstone project at college. It came about at about the time I was uh, interviewing for the job, and you know, uh, if you tell and something, Nick had a vision yeah, uh, for a vision for podcasting, it. and we didn't really have anyone on the advocacy team that really could fill that role. But you did a yeah. nice job, and it was as if it was made for for yeah, you to fill also, the position. It seemed to, seemed to work out well, and so with Nick's support, and then uh, long conversations with James about. How would we do this? What kind of equipment do we need? Because you could you could totally um, make a Rube Goldberg podcast and and tape it off of your you know tape it off your iPhone and do all these things. You can do that, but you know with a, just a little bit of effort, you can do something that's high quality that people can listen to and and hopefully are engaged in doing. And so, scripting out kind of well, scripting. <laughs> James will smile if we say scripting, but, you know, <laughs> trying to get a vision of what we're, what we're going to talk about and how to engage, because it's nice to get someone to download one. It's even nicer when you get them to download two. Or subscribe. Or subscribe. Click that purple button and subscribe. Be folks. a subscriber. Um, so, yeah. Eric, you, I don't know if our listeners know that you were a volunteer firefighter. I was, yes. And I don't, I mean, you just mentioned the emergency management um, degree, and I'm just, uh, would like you to kind of reflect a little bit in terms of how those skills and that knowledge may have benefited you at your time so far at NTSB. Getting to, uh, developing a skill set on how to deal with problems that aren't yours, but you have to solve, mm-hmm. I think is a skill set that works anywhere that you, <laughs> <That's true. laughs> that you can be. Um, so yeah, no, uh, I was... I was very lucky to uh, be able to spend some time as a volunteer firefighter in the in the Northern Virginia area. Um, to be honest, I started firefighting because I got bored at work because I could only work so many hours a day and there's only so many projects. I wanted a way to give back to the community. And this is always something that had been interesting to me growing up in a, in a community that was all volunteer. And so hmm. found somewhere where I could get to and, and have made uh, learned a lot in life, learned a lot of actual practical skill sets, but then earned and, and gain some great friends and, and, you know, people are going to be with me forever, but it's, it's the, the emergency management and the, the emergency response mindset is just, you, you get all of these skills together and you have all of this stuff within your toolbox, because when you go to wherever you're going, you're not sure necessarily what the, you have an idea what the problem is, but are you, you're talking about when you're, when you launch, correct? Well, or are you or talking about anything, firefighting, yeah, firefighting, I'm, but also when you launch. Yeah. Okay. So, so from firefighting, you get, you get all these tools, you do your trainings, you do all, all of that kind of stuff. And, and everything that you do every day will help deal with that incident. You know, that incident comes in the future. You've got all this, these skills and this practice. You remember what worked, what didn't work, mm-hmm. what situations you were in before, what situations, you know, how that all played out, you take that skill set and then you go and again, it it's not my emergency or not my problem, but I'm there to help and I'm there to try to solve it. And and I have a personality that means that I'm gonna work my best to make this be a positive outcome for whoever's impacted by this event. Um, 
So that's what got me interested in the emergency management stuff. Because mm-hmm. uh, again, adulting's hard for Eric. And he, <laughs> I wasn't quite sure where I, you know, what I'd want to do in life. And at the time that I, I went into school, I was thinking about doing something different. But it turned, it, it's provided me a lot of good resources here at the agency for not only the, the day-to-day work, but those major launches that I've been, in, um, you know, been able to participate in and just going there and being able to, you know, NTSB investigators and NTSB staff that go are not first responders. That's not our job. Right. Our job is to, you know, to gather the facts, get this all together and make sure that this, this tragic event doesn't ever happen again and, and explain why this one happened and how we can prevent it from happening again. But when we go on scene, it's chaotic. Mm-hmm. And, and even though we're not the first responders, we need to work with them and blend into the work that they're doing. Um, and so having that skill set and be able to take that chaos and try to distill it down for, um, you know, for the team members that, that goes for the board member or for, uh, in my role, I was working in government affairs for mm-hmm. those elected officials and their staff that are show up on scene to kind of just explain holistically what's going on and what we know. And then what are, what we're planning on doing as a, as the NTSB and how we fit into all of this, I think was really, was really important for me to, or a good skill set for me to have that and I hope was beneficial to folks. And in my new role, it's the same thing, you know, uh, supporting the board member on accident investigations, mm-hmm. but also just dealing with the chaos of of being, you know, one of the f- one of the five presidentially appointed Senate confirmed, you know, people <laughs> that everyone looks at, like how to deal with that chaos and let's right. distill this and let's 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 pick the spot fires to go for. We'll let that one burn a little bit longer because this one's more important. We can deal with all this. I think it's all it's all related, even though it's, you know, suit and tie versus turnout gear. Some of that skill sets are all still there. Sure. I know. I've appreciated your perspective and having gotten the opportunity to work with you pretty closely in advocacy for the last two years. But you do bring a unique perspective and your background. And especially with the being a first responder, you know, kind of being in it, you've certainly helped explain things that I've, you know, questioned and, and been curious about through our reports. So, it's it's uh it's been good to have to yeah. have everything that you that you share and bring to the table well, for sure. You. And for someone who who claims that he doesn't do well with change, you definitely embrace chaos pretty well and roll with it and just kind of get to work when, you know, when it all goes down. So Chaos is different than change. Chaos is always there. <laughs> changes I in my mind changes something even But change is constant. <laughs> well, yes, change is constant. I think that was one of our book reports, wasn't it? It <laughs> <laughs> Within our division in advocacy, Nick has is has very much uh, encouraged all of us to continue growing, and we've yeah. had the opportunity to read some some books together uh, in our time in advocacy to to improve our teamwork and also to kind of expand our our perspectives on different but, things, but also to help add to the skill set in the toolbox mm-hmm. because you know it's important. It always, no matter what you do, kids keep learning, um, grown ups keep learning. But it's, you know, doing all that helps with things that you can't even expect to come down the road. And so you've got all that information and you'll remember, you know, remember reading it. You guys give me, you guys say that I remember a lot. I don't even remember pieces of it. I don't have all of the depth of it, but I have enough to, I I think I was telling member Hamidi, I have enough to normally get through most doors. But then (laughs) once I've gotten through the door, I'm going to maybe hang back in a corner and try to gain some more information to have a more educated conversation. But in our book reports, we also were uh, encouraged to find our own uh, pieces of literature that we wanted to share with our team within safety advocacy. And the one that you chose was about Star Trek. Can you tell us a little bit about the leadership, leadership. and, and <laughs> right. uh, yeah. knowledge that are Kirk. gleaned yeah, from <laughs> Star I Trek? Mean, come on. How can you go wrong with any any references to Star <laughs> Trek or Star Wars? You can't. You can't. So no, um, I can't even remember all the detail. But it was it's a it was an interesting perspective about how whether you're the, like the yellow shirt or the red shirt, everyone has a role to play. It's true. Um, and you don't know if you're the red shirt till it happens, and then you're left down <laughs> on the planet's surface. But work up and expect to not be the red shirt and try to try to figure that out but make <laughs> friends get a good team around you I mean, this is a while ago i can't remember all the details it's a good one uh i think if you google you know star trek and leadership yeah leadership you'll Captain probably Kirk, find there it are probably too many articles <laughs> on it um but you know it's it just shows that you know i think the other one i was looking at was something with hobbits L- lessons of lord of the oh, rings yeah. lord of i the have rings. a 
as anyone that knows me and my family will attest to, I'm kind of a geek. No. Uh, I, no, I know. <laughs> I embrace it. It's fun. Um, but, uh, you know, take the lessons you can learn. You know, even even stuff from a fictional story can have real-world practical applications and just apply it to as best you can for you and, and just learn from every experience that you do. Yeah. Um, I think what Nick has said to us is, uh, take what, take what works for you and, and, uh, you know, maybe read the rest, but you don't necessarily need to embrace it if it's not yeah, going to work for you. Yeah. With the, it's, again, it's all part of growth and you may not, you may not believe something is for you. And, you know, again, not to, and it's, we're not picking on Nick. I just want that to be clear. <laughs> we, these are really good things, but I was a little hesitant when I started two years ago. I'm like, I, we, we do what? Like, <laughs> and you know, he, he realized it wasn't necessarily my cup of tea, but he was supportive of me trying to look at it from different ways and, and to take, take my point of view on it. Cause there was one where it was this really positive affirmation, aff affirmation filled, like quote thing. I was like, Oh really? You know, like it was something about you know take it be good friends and it's about the the rhinos with the birds on them or whatever. I'm like, yeah, but what if you're that bird and that rhino just goes in a different direction? You have to be willing to jump off. I had the exact opposite point of view from everyone else in the room, <laughs> but it, but it was nice to be in an environment with team that would be willing to listen to that mm -hmm. and and mock me later, but not you know <laughs> not mock the no <laughs> no one no and one did. That was a leadership article that Stephanie yeah, provided. I, that to was us. me trying to kind of one up you on your start. <laughs> Track was about actually what, what animals a, can teach yeah. us about leadership. Yeah. Also available online <laughs> if but you're so, curious. Uh, <laughs> in the NTSB bookstore? No, we don't have that. <laughs> no, no, we don't. Um, Eric, I want to get I want to get reflective, uh -oh. and I want you to reflect since you you know your roles are kind of shifting and changing a little bit. I want you to reflect on the last two years and kind of tell us something memorable about your time in safety advocacy your time in government affairs, and a launch, a memorable launch that you've Ooh, been on. Okay. Uh, in my time in safety advocacy, I've really enjoyed, for one, the podcast and getting to work with the team to put that together and put that out there. But then also, it's not just like one product or one activity that we've done, but I've enjoyed the collaborative effort that that the team has. I mean, it's the t all individual members, but nothing that comes out from – from our division is just us, just one person. It's, right. We all work together. We all support each other with what we're doing. We we toss ideas. We, you know, we send an idea around and are willing to be told, yeah, that one doesn't exactly fly that well, or it's a it's a good one, Leah. I appreciate the effort, <laughs> but you know, I don't think we're I don't think we're ready for that. You know, it's all right. It's all right. But you know we got your back on it for later. Thanks. And, uh, but it, so I think it's, I think it's, that's something I've enjoyed a lot and you don't, you know, unfortunately you don't get that everywhere, mm -hmm. uh, but I've been lucky to have that experience a, a lot of times, but this is where it's the closest, you know, to just being one entity. So anything that comes out, like I would feel comfortable, even though we each had our own kind of issue areas and I was the fire explosion guy mm -hmm. and you know, you were impaired driving, but if someone came in and you weren't there, I felt comfortable being able to kind of give a guidance because we generally knew where everyone was on something right. and, and it was, it was a team that was putting out there. So it wasn't just one person. So. Sure. And for listeners, safety advocacy is, is a pretty small team compared yeah. to kind of other offices and divisions within the agency. So we're, we were five with, with Eric and as he's taking his detail, we're down to four. So um, I, we haven't mentioned Amy, but Amy is part of our, uh -huh. our safety advocacy team and Leah, Nick and, uh, and I, and we have, we really do have a good synergy within safety advocacy. Um, you know, the collaborative nature and the fact yeah. that pretty much anything, I just, uh, you know, anything that we do, it's, we are in constant communication and, you know, discussing, you know, wordsmithing little things yeah. if we need to, or, then, you know, pitching high, high level ideas. And I think that's important because we also are kind of the, the hub for all the other modes and we work with all the modes on all their different pieces. And mm -hmm. so we want to make sure that, that everything is kind of universal as it's coming out. I mean, they're all, one's a plane, one's a boat, but we want to kind of make sure that the messages come out in the same way so that the general public and stakeholders can really understand that. So, right. um, Yeah. Uh, and then I, I too had it and I was also a government affairs, uh, doing that. And I enjoyed the, 
I mean, it's state legislative affairs is always fun and federal affairs are always entertaining. I mean, because states, you have 50 different personalities that you're dealing with and, and how things go. And, and a lot of these recommendations that we make. Uh, so government affairs, in my mind, is also kind of like advocacy because we're trying to get things implemented and working with the board members to have these conversations at the at the state of the congressional level and, mm-hmm. and helping to answer the questions. And so, um, you know, with. Uh, Chris and Joe and Steve, that was a, a, that's a great team there. And it was fun to be part of that too, to, to help assist with all of that and, and help make sure that the NTSB message gets out there and the requests for information were, were answered in a timely way and, and as accurate as possible. Again, that transparency, that's, that's part of our mission mm-hmm. and our core values is we want to make sure that we get everything out there that we can. Um, so yeah, all of that is, is fun. And I, but mem- one memorable government affairs experience. Do you have one? I'm trying to think. Um, but it was, it was, it's probably tied to a launch. If, if anything. Well, I did ask so, you about yeah, a launch, too. So if you want to tie those yeah. two together. I mean, so, well, my yeah. So I'll have to come back to the government. I can't think of one right now. But okay. the memorable launch one that was the most informative for me, and I know that you guys uh, have – this will come out before the episode you already take, but uh, working with Paul Stansel from the uh, Rails Pipeline and Hazardous Materials Division, mm-hmm. um, I was just coming on board uh, at the agency and I was taking on tank car safety as one of my most wanted list issue items. And there just happened to be a, a tank car a derailment that happened. And so uh, Paul was kind enough to let me go with them to learn about tank cars. So I launched for government affairs because there were some elected officials there Um but, you know, as they left, I, I stayed for another day and a half or so to to shadow um, Paul around and just get an idea. And the again, talk about chaos. It was just this the you know, the chemicals and all the things that were spilled and, and trying to protect the first responders. The community had to be evacuated because everything hadn't been mitigated yet. Mm-hmm. And, but the the analytical mind that that Paul has to look at this and to see this. I, which I it just to me looked like a, a bunch of crumpled up tank cars. Like I couldn't figure out what any of that was, but he was able to look at it and map out kind of how the the physics path of it went and how that all happened. But he also knew how to balance the um, I, someone I uh, someone in Rails has talked about the industrial ballet of balance all of the the mitigation efforts that are taking place and trying to take the damaged tank cars away mm-hmm. so that they can be looked at by all the pertinent safety inspectors, but also get them off the track so that they can then reopen that track. And, and so how that all went together and he, and having him know how that all that worked, it was fascinating. So that, that one sticks out in my mind is it wasn't what we consider here a major launch where a board member goes, but it was just the numbers of people involved and the, the collaborative effort that went between, you know, the, the NTSB investigators trying to get their job done, working collaboratively and, um, with the the Federal Railroad Administration investigators and with the the hazardous materials investigators, as well as with the operator and the rail line, and trying to get that all together, everyone understood each had a job to do, and this is how it was going to work because our work required the the team that was there to clean up to do their job a certain way to not damage the tank cars and then take them over to a spot and. You know, as much as I wish that I traveled with, uh, you know, an arc welder with me, I did not have a plasma <laughs> torch to be able to do some of the stuff they needed. So you have to rely upon your relationships with those there to help you cut out the, you know, inch and a half piece of steel that you need and have. So that was that was pretty eye opening for me, just in terms of the the investigative ballet and how that all goes together. Sure. Um, but in terms of a government affairs memorable, it was probably just my first one. That was the Chattanooga, um, Tennessee uh, bus crash the bus where there one. were okay. uh, six fatalities. That was my first launch with the agency, and I'd been here for two and a half weeks, something like that. Short time, like, yeah. Sure. I didn't even I didn't have my ID really yet. I wasn't in the travel system. Mm-hmm. Um, my boots arrived the day that I got on scene. I got a uh, email from uh, Tawana saying, "Your boots are here." It's like. <laughs> That's great. I'm in I'm Chattanooga. Chattanooga. <laughs> um, and, you know, so, but that's apparently fairly typical for an agency launch <laughs> to have at least one person who has no idea where everything is, no idea what anything looks like, uh, trying to, you know, trying to not mess it up because 
you know how important it is and and the spotlight that are put on the investigators and so you're trying to do your job while learning about what's going on while not getting in the way and and you know in government affairs there's you know you're working to support the board member but also the other aspects you know if the investigator needs something I might be the better liaison for them to use to get that so that they can focus on their investigation and it's all about helping move things forward without getting in the way. Right. Yes. And that's an interesting segue, actually, because um, now you're kind of doing that role as kind of being the being the guide for Member Hamandi as mm-hmm. she um, is, you know, learning about the agency. And I'm curious because you have launched with her mm-hmm. on at least one in one accident investigation. And just want to get your perspective on how that, you know, now that you are now in the training role, how that's how that feels. Uh, being a board member is tough. <laughs> I mean, you know, you think about it, there's, uh, they, they are subject matter experts and that's the reason that they're chosen to be board members, but there's a lot of, a lot that they have to go through just within the process of becoming a board member. But then, you know, you raise your hand, you take the oath, you're a board member, mm-hmm. you're still your subject matter expert, but it's like having a new job. Like not only do you need to, you know, be doing the job of, you know, you're doing all your stuff, you're reading your reports, you're putting your votes in, you're talking to to all the folks that you need to, but you're still trying to figure out where do I get my parking pass? Like, so it's been, you know, it's, there's a lot of pieces that go to it and, and a lot that you have to do. Cause normally the board members come on and they're very modal specific. They have something, but then you come to the board and you have to know it all and, you know, have an understanding of all the board or all the um, modes. Mm-hmm. And so it's that getting up to speed and, and like anything, any new job, it takes you six to six to 12 months to really feel comfortable. Oh, I, guess. I, I play yeah. it at 12 to 18 months in my personal book, but <laughs> um, if you're listening, remember Hamdi. Um, but, you know, <laughs> it, it takes that time to to really get things together and just to understand how it all fits together and then how this works and then all the different modes. And so, you know, um, it it's, a, again, takes a village type of thing, having all the all the support from from within the agency, not only for the board members, but for everyone else in the mm-hmm. agency too, especially within SRC because it's cross modal. Yeah, everyone working together to understand the the nuances of a what was what was one of those safety alerts? It was like a, the radio for a helmet for the helicopters. Mm-hmm. I that was <laughs> it's a very important one to get out there because there are safety implications and has been it's been noticed in some of our investigations, but. I did not understand that. So I needed someone to walk me through it. James is nodding because he had to put some of the materials together on that. But it's like, it's a, it's a simple thing. It's very nuanced, but it has a big impact. And so you have to figure out a way to make that, you know, palatable to, to the people that it needs to get to that they don't just overlook it. Like, you're talking to me about one, one simple input into my, my, one simple mic input into my helmet. That's really, I need to look at this, but yes, Mm -hmm. yes, you really do. So find that to be very interesting. Well, see, Leah and I had an opportunity to kind of participate in some of the training that the board members have, the, the, our two new, new board members, Member Hominy and our vice, vice chairman. Um, but, you know, a lot of people recognize the board members as the face of the agency. And I have to say, sitting through and helping with the, um, the transportation disaster assistance team just did a training with the board members. And just the responsibility of, of really being that face of the mm-hmm. agency when, unfortunately, we do have to launch to an accident or a crash. It was overwhelming being in a practice situation, but it just it really does give you tremendous respect for just kind of how important their roles are and yeah. that, that interaction with, with people at kind of, you know, the, the worst time in, in their lives, um, unfortunately. Yeah. No, and I know the board members are all very good at that, and they work really hard to to – you know, well, they all come in with a, an understanding and, and a, a good, good rapport to be able to do all that. But it's a, you know, it's, it's, it's just funny. I just think, you, you know, you come in, you take the oath, but then you're expected to do this. Yeah. You have to learn a little bit. You have that background, but you're always learning again, back to the always learning. You're right. always learning. You're always growing. Um, and so, you know, the board members all have, have taken on a, a, you know, a big task to be that public face and to help highlight the work that the staff are doing and enhance all of the, you know, all of the work and, and, and help uh, implement the safety recommendations that we make. Again, it's in, the number of people uh, who think that we're a regulator and we can tell someone what to do, you know, 
there are days I wish. <laughs> I wish that's something that we could do, but we can't. And that's, and that's not our role. And, and I don't think it ever should be. Our role is to create those, those, you know, do our investigations, create the recommendations, because sometimes they're not going to be, you know, people are not going to like them or they're, you know, this is what we found. This is what we've decided. And so we need to, we'll work with you. Like here's ideas that our investigators have found while during their, their investigation or, or something like that. But, you know, we do a lot of work to come up with these uh, um, fairly detailed reports and, and safety recommendations. And so mm-hmm. um, it's it, working with the parties is important for that too. And then stakeholders. So the board members help to, to do that, but it's just, I mean, you can go anywhere, do anything, talk about anything. And so it's good to have great support from, from staff within the agency and the board members come kind of pre-wired with a lot of that already too, which is why they're board members. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, well, Eric, we are getting close to the end of our podcast episode. I just want to see if you have any final thoughts that you want to share with your listeners, our listeners, yes. as uh, <laughs> as you pass the torch um, on behind the scene at NTSB. Again, you know, uh, I appreciate the invite, and uh, as as hidden as it was within the <laughs> calendar notice, um, you know, uh, I think, like I said at the beginning, I really want people to continue to to download and listen because it's. The stuff that is going to be talked about on the podcast and the expansion that I know that um, you guys are, are looking to do, and, and I am very excited and, and to listen to those, uh, I think is going to be great. I think that, you know, it's fun to have a voice and personality that you can come listen to, but our podcasts have always had extra voices and personalities. You guys have been there for all of it. You know the themes that we have going on and mm-hmm. how all that is. And so I really hope that people continue to download and listen. Um, and uh, I encourage everyone to do that and to share it with their friends because, um, you know, the people that we have here are definitely worth your your time to listen to and uh, to hear their stories. And so um, I uh, I couldn't be happier to pass it off to to you guys. I'm sad to be leaving it, but I'm excited <laughs> about the new opportunities I, that I'm doing and, and uh, it, I may swing back by as is we hope so. as we hope you do. If you open it, let me uh, come through the door. I appreciate that. Um, you know, as as my new duties will allow. But um, it's gonna be it's gonna be a fun journey, uh, and it's been a fun time. So again, I thank all the listeners for listening to me for a year, uh, and uh, I look forward to the next uh, year plus from the dynamic duo on the other side of the table. Yeah, and thanks for bringing Leah and I along with you because we're able to, you know, keep carrying on what you started, so. All right, well, thank you so much, Eric, for your time. Again, I can't thank you enough for getting this podcast started. I think it's a great resource for the agency, and I think that our listeners really enjoy the stories that they're hearing. Um, Stephanie, do you have any last parting words? Just thank you to the listeners, and we hope that they uh, continue to listen on and join us for more behind the scene. Thanks. Thank you for joining us on Behind the Scene at NTSB. Subscribe to and like us on your favorite podcast platform. Make sure to follow us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, and YouTube. And don't forget, you can always find us at ntsb.gov. Thank you and bye. Bye.